This is episode 31 on the Millennial Life School podcast on how to heal your anxiety and find freedom with Kieran Headley. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Millennial Life School podcast, where it's all about inspiring and encouraging 20 to 30-something-year-olds as we figure life out together. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode on the Millennial Life School podcast. I am so excited to finally share with you guys this episode that I did with Kieran Headley. Um, we recorded this a while back, but I'm finally getting to share this today. Um, but Kieran, uh, he is an anxiety and mental health coach, and I first met him in Bali. We were villa mates together, and I remember just from the get-go, since like the very first day that we started living together as villa mates, like he was giving me all these tips and advice on what which supplements I need to be taking to feel more energized, and just giving me so much um, advice in this area. Uh, you know, like living together and just seeing the way that he does life, um, the way that he wakes up early and meditates, exercises, writes down his goals. And, you know, it is really admirable. And I remember it, there was a time when I was sick and I dropped my toothbrush into the toilet and he came by and got me a toothbrush. And, you know, just like little things like that. He is just so caring and compassionate. And as a coach in the online space, you know, I've seen a lot of people um, talk talks, but I really think Kieran is just such an authentic guy and he just really cares about helping people. So in this episode, we talk a lot about his own journey of how he became an anxiety and mental health coach. And he shares about dealing with loneliness and feelings of unworthiness and from that place to coming to a place of peace and finding freedom. Uh, and what I really appreciate about this episode is that Kieran shares really practical tips on how you can heal from anxiety. We talk about ways to properly shift your mindset and how to gain greater insight and, cl and create clarity in your life. He shares clarity exercises that you guys can implement into your own life. And I just feel like this episode would be something that would be really helpful and bring a lot of healing to a lot of you. I know as millennials, um, a lot of us deal with anxiety and depression. And so managing your mindset and your thought is just so important. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. And so without further ado, let's just get right into this episode with the one and only Kieran Headley. Mom, oh my. This, this is, is Millennial uh, Life School Podcast with Sharon Kiron Han. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Karen. Oh, yeah. So good, so good to see you. See you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even got a little man bun going on now. I know. Look at you, Dad. Yeah, I know. I know. Back home so in who would have thought? Yeah. 
got bringing the, brought the barley with me, you know, so it's good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Dang. Yeah. Oh, this is so crazy. I'm just like, just seeing you makes me so happy. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. I feel the same. I feel really, really grateful actually. Yeah. Um, how, how have things been back at home? How has everything been? Uh, yeah, it's been good. I mean, I'm just staying home. I and mean, for me, it's not that much different because, I mean, I work online anyways. So, but Kira, <laughs> welcome to Millennial Life School Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. Yeah, you, you've, um, you've really pumped them out as well. I must say I'm really impressed with how um, proactive you've been with your podcast. Like from the yeah. get go, you're like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I just decided to do two episodes per week. Um, I mean, it is a lot of work, but at the same yeah. time, um, I think it, I think it's a great format. So like interviews every Tuesday, and then solo episodes every Friday. But it's so been cool. going well. Good. I love yeah. That. How's everything been going for you? Yeah, real good actually. Like podcast wise, everything slowed down. I like had recorded like a few a while ago, so I was still releasing things from like you know two months ago even. Um, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'm I'm through all that now, and um, I'm just taking a break because I just recently started getting into uh, back into group coaching because I did mm -hmm. it a while ago, about a year ago. But then I'm I just got back into it now, and um, it definitely feels right. So that's cool going in that direction, and then um. Uh, and then I'm just like getting out um, into the waterfalls as much as I can because now I'm allowed uh -huh. to sort of leave our little suburb um, now that we're allowed to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. So it's so funny because like, you know, like from the, for the first time you met in Bali, I feel like so much has happened and it's so crazy just looking back. Cause it's I feel like barely been a year, right? Yeah. It's like being at like 13, 14 months or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's been, been, it's been yeah. officially a year because we met Actually, we met exactly around this time, I think, right? Start of April. Yeah. Oh, start of April, yeah. Mm. So it's so crazy. A lot has happened, and I feel like the time we met, that was when we were just so fresh and just we were starting a lot of different things. Yeah. But, yeah, when I first met you, I remember you came in to the villa. We were villa mates, and you came in with all these different um, supplements, and <laughs> you are coaching me. <laughs> It's so funny. All these like, different things about how our brain works and everything. Oh, it's so funny. Oh. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, I'm an anxiety coach, and I was like, what? That's so cool. <laughs> I've never met an anxiety or mental health coach. Mm. Uh, can you just for the audience kind of walk us through in terms of how you became an anxiety and mental health coach? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so. Um, also, I just want to acknowledge that I love how you just flowed from normal conversation straight into an interview. That's like professional right there. <laughs> I was you're very not, impressed because I didn't even realize it started on interview. Um, I work my yeah, magic. You, you definitely do. So, see, how I became an anxiety coach or in the mental health space, it, really the, there's about four prime things. So I'm just going to go over them briefly. Mm -hmm. The first part is my own experiences. So that goes down into um, starting around really middle school, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, that was before even I got to high school and I just was always sad, um, always always felt lonely. Actually, I actually developed a slouch. So I was sort of mm -hmm. always walking around, slightly slouched over, hunched over, hiding away from the world. Um, I would never speak up. And I constantly positioned myself in a way where in my friend group, our main friend group was like me and two other guys. I would seclude myself from the friend group because I didn't feel worthy of being a friend as much as they were friends. 
So I didn't feel equal um, in terms mm. of French, in terms of the level of friendship that I had with them compared to the level of friendship they had with each other. So I felt very excluded. And it wasn't that they cultivated that on purpose. It was because I actually excluded myself because I felt unworthy. I didn't feel good enough. And this, this went on for um, literally since junior school, honestly, but middle school is really um, where it started to ramp up. And um, I didn't think I could speak to a girl. There's no way I would be speaking right now, I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, um, there's no way I could um, yeah, have a, um, communicate with a girl um, authentically or even in a proper manner. And it just got to a point where um, slowly in high school, I'd hit these moments, hit these points where I'd start to question life. I'd start to question whether I wanted to be here. I'd start to question, um, like, I'm living in sadness all the time. I'm living in this, in this world of numbness. Like, what's the point? That I started to lose point in it. And it was just so, it's like it wasn't even super scary for me because I just, it just felt so normal. It's just something that I'd had for, um, I had had this for so many years until I actually started to see a counselor. And when I started to see a counselor, I started to realize, wow, this actually is a problem. I, I, I just felt so normal, um, even though I was suffering so much. And so, so the you mean like the suffering became normal for you? So uh, the suffering was normal for me. Yeah. Mm. The suffering was just, it was just something that I adjusted to. It's like, I wake up, I'm sad. I have to mm. rev myself up to try, you know, get a smile on my face and I'd have to show up with a big smile on my face because that's what everyone did. So I'm like, okay, I've got to always have my smile because then I'll be accepted. And that's the last thing I wanted to do, honestly. I wanted to hide away in the corner of the classroom and mm-hmm. just not be there at all. Um, yeah, and then through counselling, I became more aware of this. It really helped me understand what was going on. It's when she talked about depression and anxiety and, um, yeah, so the counsellor t- um, talked about with me and I started to understand it more. Um, yeah, and then from there, um, that actually leads into the other areas that actually got me really passionate because this area, I remember it developing into many phases where I'd have panic attacks um, in my home. I'd have, um, I'd be on the beach with some friends and I'd be with the girl I liked and I didn't, I just didn't feel safe and I'd just start mm-hmm. having a panic attack and being consumed by darkness and I'd just have to get away from the group and be on my own and I'd just sort of be with it for a, a while and. I'll still be consumed, but I've managed mm-hmm. to get back and communicate and be normal again, but I still felt a lot of pain. And this would go on for, this went on for many years and to a point where I remember one point in, uh, when I lived in Quebec, just before I came to Bali, actually, um, yeah, this is where yeah. I just all turned around. Um, I was on my couch in my lounge and I just remember looking into the corner of my room and I just remember this so perfectly because this was a moment where everything started to turn and I was looking in the corner of my room and I thought all I ever want in this life I don't even care if I end up in a relationship I don't care if I um, even have money I don't care about Mm. anything all I want is peace like I was just that desperate all I wanted in life was peace Um, and that was just one thing I wanted and something that I definitely um, managed to cultivate a lot more today which is amazing but at that point in time that's all I wanted and the second thing I said to myself is I would never want my worst enemy to feel this way. Mm. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to feel this way. And that just stuck with me um, so strongly because in that moment, that's when I made the decision to reach out to a psychologist that I'd been following for a while. And um, she talked more about on the holistic side of psychology mm. rather than just specifically 
asking questions. Um, so it got me to understand where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the imbalances that I'd been cultivating physically through nutrition and all that sort of thing. And um, yeah, it really started to, to help me understand it more in a holistic way. So that's where I developed a real big passion mm-hmm. to really dive into it because of the pain that I had. Um, the other three ways are very simply put in a nutshell, and that's my family. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. in my family that suffer. Um, my friend who took his life because of anxiety, mm-hmm. that's a really strong um, point because I remember being at his funeral and thinking, I wouldn't want, I might, I want to do what I can for this. Um, and then the final one was is just simply the stats that I see. It's just mm-hmm. overwhelming to see how, even though there's more awareness around mental health than ever before, mm-hmm. right? And there's more talk about it. There's, the suicide rates are still worse than they've ever been. And yeah. that's just crazy. It's mind boggling. But it's just the fact, it just goes to show that just simply talking about it isn't going to solve the problem. Um, we need to create like communities. We need to create um, places where people can actually go and feel included rather than just simply a hotline. Cause a hotline is fantastic, but mm-hmm. most people don't feel like they can, you know, pick up the phone and start having a conversation with a stranger. Most people want to be able to talk with someone that feels the same way as they do. Um, so it's like cultivating that sort of community would, is honestly my dream. Um, yeah. yeah. No, and you're, you're already doing that. You created this amazing community and honestly like i love what you do because you do it from such a genuine place and i think everyone who follows you like you can really sense that like every video that you make every igtv everything and i think mm, thank you and just like hearing your story and i i really understand because it's like coming from what you have personal experience and been through and walked through yeah and there's thank just, you yeah, no, and I genuinely mean it. And we talk about this all the time. And like, yeah. honestly, like, I think what you're doing is really amazing. And it to this day, it really blows my mind. Because I remember, you know, when we first met in Bali, yeah. um, I, I just think I remember we were all sitting, me, Hada, and, um, you know, a couple other people. And mm-hmm. we were sitting and I think just chilling and whatnot. And you walk in with like all these like like four other like people that you, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, remember? you walk yeah. in with, like two couples and just like this whole like group of people you just walk in and we're like oh like who is this and i asked you like oh are you the new villa mates you know are you the new roommate and then you like introduce yourself and i remember thinking like dang like this guy has so much energy like he's so extroverted i love like the energy that you bring into the room I remember just thinking like, wow, like this guy is super charismatic and very um, confident. And oh, so honestly, cool. like I would have never guessed that just a couple months ago, you said you were in Quebec in that place where you just fell. Yeah, so it, was, it was more like maybe four or five months before that. But um, yeah, yeah, on, oh, yeah four, about five months before that. But honestly, yeah, it was I'd been doing a lot of work around the mental health space for myself. Before then, like I've been meditating for a long time. I've been doing journaling and everything. But what there was just one, there was just certain key components that I'd been missing completely. Um, And that was a lot to do with my stubbornness and pride. Honestly, Mm. it was like this idea that I knew it all. You know, Um, I knew knew the path to, you know, um, healthy mental health and Mm. all that. And that just stopped me from growing. Um, So it was really in, in that point where I just hit that real low, where I was actually wanting to expand that. Um, understanding of well, I know nothing. Um, in, in a proactive way, of course, yeah, not yeah. in a not in a um, self sabotage way, but in a way where I'm understanding that even though I've learned a lot, what I know in comparison to what there is mm-hmm. to learn, right, is just on a stick, and 
that made me feel um, excited actually rather than minuscule, which was, which is great because it gave me an opportunity to be like, wow, I, I've got an opportunity to just dive straight into this and learn as much as I can. And that's where I actually started to learn a lot more about, you know, um, I guess where science meets spiritual and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's real cool. Yeah. But it's, it's so crazy. Just like seeing where you're at today and just hearing, you know, your past stories of, you know, where you used to be like in middle school, how you felt when you were in friend groups and things like that, like that journey, you know, from, from middle school and, you know, from when you felt like being sad is normal to where you're yeah. at. Like, so can true. you talk us through in terms of what that journey was like? Mm. I feel like there's so, sure. I don't know. It's, it's so hard for me to imagine like you being in that place because I feel like when I see you now, you're just someone who is so full of compassion for other people, but also for yourself. Mm. I love that. Great question. So really, the journey really more started at the end of high school. So at the end of high school, I started to really get into meditation because of a very funny reason, actually. Mm -hmm. So how it happened was I was following this guy called Steve Cook on YouTube. And mm -hmm. he's this like fitness guy, fitness influencer. And I'm like, man, I just like, I was obsessed with him. I literally did everything he said. So He'd say, yeah, I uh, get up every morning. I do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, so I started getting to getting up in the morning and doing 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups. I'm like, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then um, I started like, um, yeah, doing a few other things that he'd, get, that he'd start doing. And then he started saying, yeah, I've started to meditate every day for 10 minutes. I'm like, cool. So I downloaded the app he was using called Headspace and mm -hmm. I started doing that 10 minutes every day. Um, and that's literally how I started. It wasn't because like, um, I'm like, oh, this is like, this feels amazing. It was just simply uh -huh. because someone on YouTube said that they did it. Um, yeah. But funnily enough, there was a point in, along that journey of meditation. I, was just, I started this about seven years ago. And there was just a moment there, or maybe eight years ago. That moment hit when all of a sudden I'd have like maybe a few days where I wouldn't actually... Um, do my meditation. And over those few days, I noticed that I would be more stressed. I'd um, be more reactive. Mm -hmm. I'd snap more. Um, yeah. And I just overall wouldn't be as present. Like I remember my first middle school teacher, when we went to parent teacher interviews, he would say to my parents, Kira is more interested in the, in the butterfly outside than the actual class. <laughs> That's literally what he said to my parents. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it was, yeah. He, um, he said to them in private as well. I found this out later that I just wasn't all there. That he was actually worried about me because I just wasn't there. But um, essentially, that's actually more of a uh, traumatic response when uh, when someone is um, is. I mean, traumatic response. Traumatic, not, not necessarily from a capital T. Not necessarily meaning it has to be something like a big event. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of how I responded to my emotional situation. Um, I would space out. So I tried to detach myself from the world and I didn't know I was doing this at the time, but it means that I wasn't there and I wasn't able to actually comprehend and um, resolve and figure things out. And I just wasn't very responsive. So because I was so spacious, spaced out, I wasn't really capable of being very interactive with people, which is why I felt very excluded, even though it was actually coming from me. But um, ultimately there was in that point of meditation when I realized how powerful it really was, mm -hmm. um, there was um, yeah, just a moment when I just decided, okay, well, if this is the consequence of me not investing 10 minutes of my day into actually something that's going to help me, um, and this is a result of me actually investing 10 minutes of my day, 
um, where this is, is going to help me, then I'm definitely going to be going for the 10 minutes a day and actually investing that. So I started to do it, even if I missed it in the morning, I started to do my meditation practice, um, like during the day at lunchtime, whatever, um, whenever oh, I get time really. If, yeah. Yeah. If I miss it in the morning, cause uh-huh. I just wanted to make sure that I wanted to ensure that I got that practice in because it felt safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then over that period of time as well, I was introduced to, um, vitamins like St. John's wort. Um, so St. John's wort's a natural, um, herb that acts in a similar way to an SSRI, for example, like a selective mm-hmm. serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Someone might take for their anxiety or for their depression. Um, but it acts in a more natural way where it, it doesn't, um, act in a very intensive way. So it's mm-hmm. more of a subtle way. And it allowed me to actually start to understand what it felt like to, from the morning, from the get go, start to feel good. And it's something that was quite foreign to me because I was just used to feeling bleh, like, you know, mm. just, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Rather yeah. than actually being, um, involved with everything around me. So when I started to take this medication, it gave me what I like to call like a platform in order to actually start to walk, um, start mm-hmm. to progress, start to actually feel motivated about healing myself because there's many people that I will talk to um, who are, are in that space of struggle, who are in that place of anxiety or depression. And quite frankly, a lot of them don't want to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they want it to change, but they're not willing to actually put their foot down and start to actually take action on the, um, on the tools and the techniques that are actually going to help mm-hmm. heal the, um, the trauma that's leading to that or to actually be proactive in terms of shifting their neurology or to bring in yeah. um, more beautiful emotion into their life. And um, I completely understand that because I was in a place where that was the case. It was just, I finally understood. Um, and I heard this actually on another podcast, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. bleed that in. Um, but it was these two factors that allowed me to really make a proper shift in all of that. And those two factors is reason and belief, right? Reason so belief. yeah, reason and belief. And these, I started to um, really incorporate this in everything I did because without reason, I could believe that I want to get somewhere, mm-hmm. but if I don't have a, a reason strong enough to get me there, then anything that will get in my way is going to be, is going to actually overwhelm my minuscule reason, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But if my reason is strong enough, then even an, an obstacle that gets in the way, right? The reason overpowers the obstacle. So essentially what was happening is my reason wasn't strong enough for sure, mm-hmm. but my belief definitely wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So Reason can be manifested through, um, through insight, right? So through insight work, through, through exploring, oh, okay, if I do 10 minutes a day of meditation, this happens. If I don't do 10 minutes a day of meditation, this happens and all this other stuff, right? So it's, it's sort of like a reflection tool and then that cultivated the why and the reason in terms of why I wanted to shift things. Yeah, um, question. Um, so when you say reason, do you mean kind of, it's kind of similar to purpose? Like the reason why yes. I'm doing everything, the intention behind everything. Yeah. Yeah, literally that, literally that. Mm. It was um, it was reason, purpose. Mm. Um, but essentially, of course, it's very difficult for many people to as well be in the space where they're like, I know my purpose, you know, I know, mm. I know why I'm here. And I, I can understand what that feels like because of course, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're the same, right? We've been mm. there where like when we went to shore and we felt lost or mm. um, weren't sure what, what reason we had. And um, yeah, ultimately, my initial reason for healing was I just wanted to live a, a life where I actually was happy, you know, mm-hmm. and like felt loved and got loved. Um, but that reason soon developed um, from the pain that I experienced. Because 
at the end of the day, the more regression one experiences in their life, mm. the, the more capacity they have to progress. And I don't mean regression in terms of you had to have someone in your life die or you had to have a really bad breakup or you had to have a traumatic mm. event, but regression in terms of if you do actually allow yourself to experience things fully and like when it's really low or when things are really hard, what, and whatever means that is, that gives you the greatest potential and possibility to grow. Because That's from that true. place of, yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, if I have, if I want to get really good at maths, right? Because maths, uh-huh. I was actually okay. I was pretty good at maths. Right? <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> I want to okay. get good at maths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get good at maths. Mm-hmm. Uh, then if I'm just going over the same basic problems every single time I go into mm-hmm. maths class, I'm not going to get good at maths, am I? Mm-hmm. Right? But if I go ahead and study um, through to the most difficult questions, that's why I have the greatest potential to grow. So essentially, if I come to um, problems in life and I have a very difficult problem ahead of me, but I'm not willing to actually go ahead and actually mm. try go and face it, instead I just want to turn a blind eye and not face it and look at it, I'm not going to actually be proactive in my growth. But if I take that regression and understand that this regression, this problem, this struggle is my greatest opportunity to progress as a human being, then, um, and then I can take that in a really proactive way and actually develop. Um, certain traits, certain qualities within myself that are going to be um, proactive. Um, it's going to help me be proactive about any future problems that come my way, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially, the harder the math problem, the easier the exam will be, right? Wow. So essentially, yeah, the more progressive I can be or the more proactive I can be when I face a problem or aggression in life, uh, the more, uh, the, the stronger, like people like to use, right? The stronger I might be or the safer I might feel mm-hmm. when the next problem comes along because I know that I can manage it. So it's really about coming to that place of um, reason, right? Reason that if I solve, if I face this, it's going to give me an opportunity to be in a more peaceful place. But clarifying that reason is, of course, very important. And then over time, purpose, of course, comes, right? That purpose, that mm. sense of purpose. I'm like, yeah, I'm on a mission. Like, you know, th- this is why I'm doing this. And when that becomes very strong and profound, then even, um, you know, the biggest mountains that get in the way, you'll, climb over it, run around it, dig through it, whatever you, whatever you got to do, right? Um, and I see that in you 100%, you know, that's, that's, why, um, that's why I pump in all these podcasts. But um, yeah, reason was really profound for me because reason and purpose, yeah, um, essentially gave me the opportunity to really put my foot down and understand that if I invest this amount of time in my mornings and this amount of time in my evenings and this much in a coach, because I also have a coach, then that gives me the greatest opportunity to expand as much as possible as a human being, which mm-hmm. means that I have the greatest opportunity to help as many people as possible. Right. I mean, essentially the brighter the sun, the more light it shines right? um, on everything else. It's not that the sun is there specifically focusing its light on earth, right? It's not like mm-hmm. shooting a beam of light at earth, right? It's just yeah. so <laughs> bright that the light just happens to fall on earth, mm-hmm. right? And heat just happens to radiate onto earth. So it's about being that light and being that sun, just like your smile, right? That is just so profound that it just happens to light up people around them without them even needing to be intentional about it. Um, yeah, and it's just switching on that light with them. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that, so that's, that, that is so good. And I love what you said in terms of like how your greatest source of pain and regression, you can actually use that as your greatest growth opportunity. And I think it's so it true. I remember thinking about this. Um, I remember, you know, like there's obviously times in life where you go through suffering and you're in a place where it sucks. And I remember when I was in that place, like 
you know, it literally feels like you're inside a hole, right? Where it just feels really bad. And like, I can relate, you know, when you said, wow, I never want anyone else to feel this way. It's like you have that reason to get out of that hole. Because if you've been inside that hole and you come out of it, then you know, you, ha- you come out of it essentially with the roadmap to how to get out of the same hole. So that next time you see someone who's inside that hole, you can jump in with them, empathize with them in being stuck in that hole and be like, hey, I've fallen into this hole previously and I, I've gotten out. So this is how I got out here. Let me show you out. And then you guys can walk out together from the hole. And I think that's such a huge reason behind everything. Totally. Massively. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> can I tell a joke? It's really dry. Yeah, yeah of like course. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a rabbit. Oh, so a rabbit um, was wandering around its, um, its field that it normally wanders around to find its carrots. And the rabbit comes along and sees a hole in the ground. The rabbit's mm-hmm. like, what's, what's this? I've never seen this hole before. And the rabbit looks down the hole and sees a little monkey there sort of jumping up and trying to claw on mm-hmm. the edges so it can get out, but it can't. And the rabbit's just sitting there laughing and um, the monkey's like, can you help me? And the rabbit's like, okay, okay, you know what? I'm a nice guy. I, I like to think I'm a good guy. I'm going to help you. Um, how, how can I help you? And the monkey's like, oh, if you could go and find me a ladder, that'll be amazing. And then I can get out. Uh-huh. So the rabbit, um, naturally, because the rabbit's in the paddock, the rabbit doesn't know where a ladder is. So the rabbit goes around, finds a farmhouse um, a little bit further away and finds the ladder. So the mm-hmm. rabbit carries uh, the ladder on its ears and hops along over to the hole and then mm-hmm. uh, goes and puts the ladder down into the hole and looks around. There's no monkey. The rabbit turns around, sees the monkey. And the uh, rabbit's like, I just did all this for you. <laughs> How oh. did you get there? <laughs> uh, and the monkey says, a snake came in. <laughs> that is oh. so dry. I love it. So essentially, okay, oh, the moral of the story. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the moral of the story is essentially, um, until a reason strong enough comes, right? Um, getting yourself out of the hole might seem impossible. But when that reason comes, you're going to do whatever it takes. And you're entirely capable of getting out of that no matter what. Right. I mean, think of all the times when I, I can think back to numerous, numerous times when I've been stuck in a hole and I genuinely felt that this will be, this will be it. Like I'll be mm-hmm. feeling this way for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. It's over, you know, life is over. Like, you know, whether it was a breakup or mm-hmm. whether it was a failure in business or just anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or I'd be curled up in bed and in depression. And all of a sudden just one day or one moment when I just suddenly have a thought or something happens or someone sends me a text or I read something or whatever. And all of a sudden there's a switch that goes off in my brain and I'll calm myself out. Mm-hmm. It's just like that moment. That's just um, essentially understanding that as long as there's that reason that comes along, um, it's always possible to get yourself out no matter what, no matter how dark that hole might be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always possible to find a way. Essentially, of course, um, it takes finding that reason. Now that actually leads on to the second part because I talked about how there's two parts. There. Mm-hmm. The second part is belief because if I don't believe I can climb out of that hole, I'm not going to try I might have all the reason in the world, but if I genuinely don't believe I can get there, I won't try because I don't believe I can. What's the point? I'm, gonna put, I'm not going to put in all that effort. You know, um, If I have a 12 week uh, fat loss program, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, if I don't believe that all that effort, all that dieting, 
all eating all that times all the times that i ate celery or freaking you know had um uh lettuce juice or i don't know what the frick they do now but um, all the times that i do all these weird things um and if i can't get the result why would i want to do that to myself so belief is huge and belief comes a lot from clarity so clarity clarity in terms of um purpose is huge so clarity on that purpose is really big and clarity in terms of understanding the steps i need to take in order to get there because then that gives me belief mm. right so clarity came became more developed through insight insight meaning i looked where my thoughts were and i looked where my feelings were because too often um i might see something as the source of my problem right so i might think mm. um oh man, it's because this person said that or, oh man, it's because I got this result or, oh man, it's because I, um, or it's because someone did this to me or whatever. Right. So I'll be like, okay, if I'm putting the power of me feeling a certain way in something I cannot control, I've already completely surrendered my possibility of stepping into happiness. So if I put power of my own happiness into something else, into this uh, is what I need to be happy or that is what I need in order to be peaceful, then because anything outside of me isn't actually in my control completely because, you know, another human, I can't control another human. Mm-hmm. You know, I can ask them to do things like, please, <laughs> but they're not going to actually, I can't control them. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I can't control their thoughts. I can't control their feelings. So the moment that I surrender my happiness to someone else or to something else completely um, in terms of um, they need to show up a certain way for me to be happy or peaceful, Mm-hmm. then I've completely surrendered my, my, my ability to step into sustainable happiness mm-hmm. because there might be times when they do act a certain way. I'm like, Oh, this, this is nice. Thank you. Please do this more. But then there'll be times when they don't because mm-hmm. they're their own human and they have their own wants and needs. So naturally um, if I react to that, then that brings me down. And then that makes, that puts me in a reactive space where I become very needy. So when I talk about um, staying in control and looking at in, um, coming into insight to create clarity, what I'm talking about is ultimately uh, if I'm always looking at the relationship or if I'm always looking at what that person said rather than actually looking within myself, then I'm not actually looking where the pain is because mm. the pain's within me, right? The feeling is within me. And at the end of the day, if I want to be the most able to shift that, I need to look where the problem is and the problem's right in here. Mm. So if I actually close my eyes and give myself an ability to feel into the emotion or to to actually move into the thoughts, whatever, whatever that might be, then it gives me the greatest opportunity to understand it the best, right? Mm-hmm. It's like at the end of the day, if I want to um, understand another human, I want to spend time with the other person mm-hmm. as much as possible, right? To actually really learn, um, converse with them, understand mm-hmm. them. But how often do we do that to ourselves, right? Like, I mean, I know I, I didn't do that very often at all um, until I started to actually close my eyes and sit with myself and, you know, have that internal conversation going on or, um really to actually feel into my emotion because i didn't give myself the opportunity because it was scary because it was sadness it was loneliness um it was busy thoughts um Mm -hmm. but ultimately in order for me to shift that i actually had to sit down and then be in that space so that i could start to understand it it's like at the the, um the first time i look at a big textbook of maths questions you know Mm -hmm. i'm not going to understand it straight away Mm -hmm. but over time the more i actually interact with with the textbook, the more I actually give myself an opportunity to 
um, study the textbook in some shape or form, the more clear things come. It's like all of a sudden all these random X's and Y's and yeah. freaking like ticks that look, they actually square roots or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> all of a sudden be like, Oh, okay. I get it. <laughs> you know? yeah, um, yeah. But it's the same with, with it. the longer I spend with myself, with my eyes closed, the more I start to understand where my thoughts are coming from, why I'm thinking a certain way, why, when this person does that, I actually feel pain because of this that happened with this thing that happened in my past. Oh, so if I heal that thing that happened in my past, then I'm no longer going to feel this pain that happened, that happens when this person says this thing. So that's what I started to understand. And that's where clarity came. Mm-hmm. So when I started to understand, oh, wait, if I start to do this, this, and this, then these situations will no longer be painful. Um, mm-hmm. Then that's when things became, when belief started to enter my life in terms of like, oh, wow, I really believe I can change. I really believe I can start to feel differently and start to think differently. So ultimately clarity is really huge and I'd really love to suggest people to really give themselves an opportunity to step into a, a clarity exercise, like a very simple one. If mm-hmm. it's okay if I share maybe a simple yeah, clarity Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. Cool, cool. So I like to be as practical as I can. So I'd love to just give a couple of practical tips for anyone listening. So essentially when it comes to clarity, Oftentimes it feels like someone switched off the lights in the room and you're just bumbling around and trying to find your way. Right. And it's almost feels impossible to find the door, keep bumping into people, keep running into things. Um, and almost everything seems like a bigger problem than it is. Mm. It's like if you go into a room and then there's like a snake in the corner of the room, it's pretty scary. But then you turn on the lights and there's just a coil of hose up mm. there. Oh, Oh, it's not a snake. It's just a coil of hose. Everything seems so much more beautiful. Um, when the lights excuse me, <laughs> um, when the lights are on mm-hmm. and um, things feel so much safer when the lights are on. So essentially insight, looking within, it gives me the ability to do that, to feel safer with what's within myself. So two steps. The first step that I'd really recommend is the ability to be the mind rather than mind being me. So what I mean by that is I will always be enslaved to my mind if I'm always reacting to every thought I have. Meaning if I have the thought that oh, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. And I just go straight away into it without actually taking a moment to breathe. I'm I'm literally reacting to every thought I have. Mm. If, for example, I wake up in the morning and I check my phone instantly, impulsively, or I impulsively uh, say something to someone without thinking, right? That's listening to my mind. I'm not actually thinking. I'm just reacting based on Mm -hmm. what thoughts come into my mind. So that every time I do that, Every time I just do a, do a habit without thinking, every time I'm just going through the day subconsciously without actually being in the day um, like I used to, what happens is every action, every thought, every word I say becomes uh, the mind gains power over me, which mm-hmm. means that when I start to have thoughts that I'm not good enough, when I start to have thoughts that I can't do this, when I start to have thoughts of I don't believe in myself, I believe those thoughts. But the moment that I have power over my mind and those thoughts do come in, they still come in every night again. And that's okay. But it's not, I don't feel like I beat myself up. It's like, oh, there's that old thought. Because mm-hmm. it's still stored in my memory somewhere. Because it's a password that I used to have. It'll come in. Like, oh, hello. <laughs> mm-hmm. That old thing. So you, you, know? you acknowledge the thought, but you don't give it power. Huge. Huge. So mm-hmm. how to do this is, is a big thing. Because um, definitely acknowledging a thought is huge. But mm-hmm. getting to that point where you can actually acknowledge the thought without it being like, I can't stop it. Like, I just need yeah. to get it out. It's like trying to push like a beach ball underneath the water, right? Mm. It just gets more and more power the further down you push it. Until yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, until it pops up. <laughs> so essentially, if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to be in the place where a thought does come and mm-hmm. I simply can um, create space from me and, between me and the thought, 
essentially if I'm able to sit there first thing in the morning um, mm. when all I want to do is have my shower and get ready for the day, when all I want to do is check my phone, when all I want to do is just start executing on the tasks I've given myself, when all I want to do is actually go back to sleep, right? Whatever that is, mm. essentially, if I can spend just five minutes first thing in the morning, even starting as one minute, right, and then work my way up, if I'm going to spend a small amount of time first thing in my morning and just sit there, whether it's eyes open, eyes closed, anything mm. to actually force myself to stay, then what I'm actually doing is every time that thought comes in and I let it be, I don't act on it. I just, it just comes in and it's just there. What happens is I gain power over that thought just a little bit, just a little bit. But over time, the more I do that, the more power I gain over that thought because by not executing or actioning based off what I'm thinking in those five minutes, I'm essentially creating new neurological patterns in my brain. So new patterns that fire saying that this pattern doesn't have power over me. When this pattern comes into my brain, I don't need to act in a certain way. Wow. So over time, what essentially starts to happen is that when I do start to have those thoughts of I'm not good enough, that I can't do this, that um, I'm not worthy, right? These thoughts can come into my brain mm -hmm. and they might just be there. But because I've gained power over my mind, because I've sit into a place where I feel more empowered when thoughts come in. I don't feel like I'm reacting to that thought mm -hmm. as much, right? And over time, that expands and expands. Because essentially, we have 70 to 80,000 thoughts a day. And with that many thoughts, I, I, I can't go ahead and try to just control every single thought, right? Like thinking yeah. about my thoughts isn't going to help because there's so many. Yeah, but if I gave, give 70 to thousand, yeah. how, many, how many thoughts a day? 70 to 80,000. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dang. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> a mm -hmm. lot of thoughts so i can't go ahead and try like um monitor every single thought that goes on mm -hmm. but what i can do is i can give myself an opportunity to step into a greater sense of empowerment within myself so that when these thoughts do come in i'm in a better state to actually manage what comes through um, giving me myself a greater sense of ability or capability to actually uh mm -hmm. step back into the empowerment when i start to feel sad step back mm -hmm. into uh peace when i start to feel anxious Good. Mm -hmm. So that gives me a greater ability to do so. So wow. that's definitely one real practical way to do that. So, so that's like uh, meditation, right? When you talk about sitting for five minutes and just sitting with, with your thoughts. Essentially, yeah. That's literally, it's just a type of form of meditation. Oh. I mean, you can even have your eyes open um, if you wish, but eyes closed is best because it makes them, the thoughts and the feelings more profound yeah, yeah. because you've got nothing else to focus on. However, um, yeah, opening your eyes is a great yeah. way to start. And so, for example, you know how you mentioned um, when you were younger with your friend group, you always kind of stepped away from friend groups because you felt like you weren't worthy enough to be their friend. So in that case, let's say someone is struggling with that, then do they sit by themselves thinking about, okay, this is how I felt and just sitting with that? Or how does that work? Mm. So that's a really beautiful question because oftentimes the question arises mm -hmm. of, well, I don't want to think that thought or I don't want to feel mm -hmm. that feeling. Why would I let it in? So yeah, yeah. there's a difference between surrendering to and surrendering because mm -hmm. there's um, in Bali, you know, you hear people talk about surrendering a lot, um, mm -hmm. but oftentimes they talk about surrendering too. And this, it was a great, but I couldn't find progress in this. Like I tried for a long mm -hmm. time and I'm like, I don't want to feel that way. Why would I surrender to that emotion? You know? Um, so this, this sort of friction keeps happening. And then one day I learned from one of my teachers, uh, to not surrender to, but surrender. Mm. It's very different. It's just like this. If my house catches fire, right? 
if I'm if I surrender to the fire, okay, I'm just gonna be like, yep, take me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to uh-huh. die, uh-huh. <laughs> but that's what surrendering to something feels like. It feels uh-huh. like you're just throwing yourself in the pits of hell. But, um, <laughs> to, yeah. Scary. But, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm not gonna do that. So <laughs> surrendering is different. Mm. Surrendering just means this: oh, there's a fire. I open my door. I walk outside. That's it. That's all I'm doing. It's still happening. I can't do anything about it. The fire's going, right? Essentially, it's the same with an emotion. The more I suppress the emotion, the, the bigger the fire grows. So it's like putting oil on the fire, the more I suppress it. But if I mm-hmm. actually allow it to be without just completely surrendering to the emotion, because otherwise it gets like really, it feels like you're being consumed. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's understanding that, well, I can let it flow, but it doesn't need to bring me down. It can still be there, but I don't need to actually say that I'm not good enough because I feel sad. I'm not good enough because I feel anxious, right? Because feelings don't define your worthiness as a human being at all. I mean, I know you know this very well. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's like, would you judge your dog because your dog felt sad or if your dog felt happy? No, you'd love your dog just as much. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is a baby worthy of love from their mother just as much, whether they're a happy child or a sad child, mm-hmm. just as much, right? It's, there's no judgment on, the emotion that is experienced yeah, is just yeah. an internal state of because I feel like I can't show up in this ha- happy way, I won't be accepted as much as if I showed up in a sad way. Mm. Right. So there's that thought of, oh, well, if that's the case, then I'm not worthy because I feel sad. Mm. I'm not worthy because I feel anxious. But instead of that, let's change the dialogue and change it to a place where it's, no, actually, I'm allowed to feel these feelings. I don't have to let them consume me, mm. but they can just happen in the background, like standing outside and watching a house burn down. You know? <laughs> it's mm. sad, but it's going to happen anyway. So it's just allowing it to flow. And from that place, from that place of acceptance, it gives me the greatest ability to be compassionate towards myself. Because if I'm mm. always, you know, beating myself up into the ground every time I feel sad or feel bad, ultimately mm. I'm solidifying that sadness. I'm solidifying that anxiety and that mm. stress. Because now when I feel a feeling, if my instant reaction is to be like, stop it, uh, like not good enough. I don't like you. You know, mm. I'm essentially saying that to myself. Mm. It's just making it worse. But if I'm in a place where, you know what, it's okay to feel sad, Karen. It's okay, Karen. Wow. Like, really, it's okay. Um, yeah, then that's yeah. a form of, of compassion, giving myself the sense of freedom, which gives myself the greatest ability mm. to be in a place of clarity. Because in a place of like fight or flight to an emotion, if I fight or flight, I don't think clearly, right? I can't think about yeah. Um, the situation in a clear way. Mm-hmm. It's like a um, very dry joke. I did this in my IGTV story. Um, so <laughs> bad. I love it though. I love my dry jokes. So um, little Mary, mm-hmm. um, half Thor, which is the strongest man in Europe, and uh, Usain Bolt all go into a forest. And uh-huh. little Mary, half Thor, and Usain Bolt are walking along and they hear a little grumble. Oh, what was that? And then all of a sudden they hear a roar and they start absolutely crapping themselves. And oh my gosh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden they hear like a chorus of roars and they're like, it's lions. What do we do? And so Usain Bolt does what he does best. He starts running. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Arthur does what he does best. He stands like a strong man. Like, oh, mm-hmm. let's, let's go. And then little Mary is there just crapping herself. She's like, oh, okay. Well, I can't run that fast. I can't <laughs> fight that hard. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? She looks around and she sees all trees around and she's like, oh, I can kind of climb a tree higher than lions can. I'm going to climb a tree. So she climbs a tree. Mm-hmm. Right, now the lions come and half Thor is standing there like you know the strong man he is and he gives he gives like a few punches to some of them yeah, knocks yeah. a couple out and then gets eaten he dies mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> and, then, but, and then the lions start chasing uh-huh. Usain Bolt he's fast but they're faster and they eventually catch him and they kill him 
sorry, Usain Bolt. And then they look at Mary. That's not possible. So they go away. Okay. And that's literally the story. Okay. The moral of the story mm. is uh-huh. if you fight or flight, um, you're likely to end up in a worse off situation. Mm. But if you give yourself an opportunity to actually see the situation as it is, you're able to develop more clarity and you're able to actually give yourself the greatest opportunity to escape from what's going on within yourself. Mm. Escape, be free of, I should say, is a better word. So mm. essentially, if you take some time when you're feeling that certain way, and you're not just reacting to the feeling saying, stop feeling that way. Or you're reacting to that thought of stop thinking that. I don't want to think that. All that's going to happen is you're going to add fuel to the fire. You're essentially just adding friction to something that's already an issue. But if you give it the opportunity to actually be accepted within yourself of, oh, that's, that's the thought. It's okay. Oh, this feeling. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. What mm. often happens is that you start to feel a bit more free of the thought, mm. of the feeling giving yourself the greatest sense of clarity in that moment to be able to be like, Oh, maybe I should actually go and say this to this person and I actually solve the situation or, Oh, mm-hmm. maybe I should actually go and meditate for a little bit. Or maybe I should go to this waterfall or maybe I should go, oh, I'm going to go baking. I'm going to go bake something. You know, it, it gives you mm-hmm. the self that greatest sense of clarity to actually go and do something yeah. compassionate for yourself. That's actually going to help the situation mm-hmm. rather than it being like, I, I just need to get rid of the sort. What do I do? You know, I'll mm. stop feeling this way. And, and then it ends up in a place where you can very likely end up in a panic attack, which I've obviously experienced a few times. So yeah, mm. it's definitely much more profound way to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, that story, it reminds me, um, basically like, you know, when you're so caught up in the source of the pain or, or the fear, it's like, essentially you're putting, it's like, if the pain is your thumb, it's like you're putting it right in front of your face and all you see is this big problem. But once you, I guess, like Mary climb up or you're able to look at it from, you know, the outside perspective and you Mm. step away in a way, then it's like, Oh, actually the thumb is, it's not that big. If I look at it from afar, you know? And I think, and I think just like the common theme of everything you said about surrendering, I think it's so beautiful because, um, Essentially, you're teaching yourself in a way to surrender to unconditional love for yourself, right? And I think, you know, you kept saying like how, you know, when you're feeling a certain way, instead of putting yourself down and thinking like, oh, you're so unworthy, like, oh, why are you like that? But like having this unconditional love of like, oh, I know that that was painful. Oh, I know that that situation really was really hard. And I know that in that moment that you felt like that, but those are your feelings. And still, like, I choose to love myself and I choose to bring in love into this area of pain. It's huge. It's huge. And actually, um, yeah, it's, it's so true. That sense of freedom that you feel in those moments when there's finally that sense of acceptance or finally that sense of surrender is it's just huge it's just indescribable um but that's not achievable through just simply listening to a podcast right or Mm. watching someone speak about it or listening to a friend speak about their experience it's Mm. done through action right um like listen to these are fantastic fantastic opportunities but i really encourage anyone that's listening to this take away um like the tool of actually sitting down with with um yourself for five minutes in the morning of acknowledging thoughts and feelings when they come in and learning to surrender Mm. of actually utilizing um a practical tool such as let's go with um 
future journaling. Future journaling is a fantastic tool. So future journaling. Uh, oh, I think I know. It's, yeah, I love this one. So essentially, um, the way I was taught future journaling is to write down something that you experience now that you, that you want to shift, mm. and then you change that into something that you want to experience within that. So it might be, for example, jealousy is something I used to really struggle with mm. in relationships. So it might be whenever Meg, um, like who was um, the girl I used to date, um, whenever Meg speaks to um, another guy. Um, yeah, instead of um, whenever Meg speaks to another guy and I start to feel anxious, instead I start to feel calm and I accept the situation. So that might be an example of a journal entry or another journal so it's, entry. It's might basically be an like proclaiming what's going to happen in the future. Exactly. Exactly. And that's literally it. It's very simplified. Um, and, and like another example might be um, when, when this person says no to me, instead of feeling insecure about myself, I actually accept the situation. I don't take it personally. Okay. So it's exactly mm-hmm. proclaiming that I'm what I want to happen in the future. And what happens over time is the more I do that, I used to do this every morning, every evening. Um, mm-hmm. And this was actually one of the big turnaround tools that really helped me out of anxiety. Um, the more I do that every day, um, every morning, every evening, um, the more I neurologically am creating patterns in my brain to actually respond in a different way because so the act of writing just simply getting a pen and actually writing every action I do with my pen is first required within the brain. Mm -hmm. So when I'm writing that thought, I'm actually telling my brain, create this pattern. Mm -hmm. I want the brain to think this way. And it's very powerful when I do that. So it's good to journal about maybe how I felt and what's on my mind. Great. But also do journaling in terms of like how I want to feel, how I want to feel. Um, That is powerful. powerful. Yeah. 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 Very powerful. So it's about taking these tools away Mm -hmm. um, and being practical about them because I want to talk about um, a little story. This one, this one's not a really dry joke. Don't worry. I'm not going to say it's a joke. It's not, not be funny. But it's um, a story about a Buddhist monk. Uh-huh. And this Buddhist monk, he um, he lived in his village in Tibet, and um, he would journey, he would journey um, tr- and travel through different villages. And this monk, he um, one day arrived at a specific village. Um, it was quite a small town, but it had a couple of mountain ranges around. And he would look up there every morning. Um, when he was having his tea, his yak tea, and he would look up and he'd think, man, I'd really love to climb that mountain. I really want to go to the top. I want to see what, what it looks like up there. Mm. So one morning, the, um, the monk gets his backpack and gets all ready to go and starts to walk towards the mountain. And he gets to the bottom of the mountain and he sees a traveler. And he asks the traveler, um, what routes did you take? And mm. what did it look like from above? And when the traveler told him, he's like, oh, that sounds that sounds very hard, and then he heard what um, what the what the other traveller said, and he's like, "Oh, sounds great. But mm. it sounds very hard. I'm going to continue my journey and find another traveller, and then I'm going to try that way." So he continues around and finds finds his, his second traveller, and he speaks to the traveller, and the traveller says also something like a very difficult journey. Mm. But he said it was a beautiful view, very difficult journey. Mm. Monks like, "Oh, okay." So it sounds a bit difficult. I'll go on to the next traveler and I'll see. Mm. So he continues this journey of speaking to all the different travelers around the base of the mountain. And eventually after his 30th traveler that he speaks to, and it gets quite late in the day, he's, he's, um, he comes to the understanding that, wow, I think this is too difficult. So I think that's a very, very difficult journey, but also I've already heard stories from everyone that's been, what it's like at the top. Mm. I already know what it's like. I don't need to go. And the traveler didn't go. 
oh, sorry, the monkey didn't go. So essentially the moral of the story is um, I can hear stories about mm-hmm. what it's like. I can hear, sto- um, I can hear stories about how to get there. Mm-hmm. I can hear people's journeys. I can hear people's directions. Um, and I can actually take on advice as much as I want, but it is absolutely impossible to know what it's like when you're standing on the peak on your own and just looking out in total freedom, and total mm-hmm. clarity. It's absolutely impossible to actually portray that and to understand that unless you've been there. So I really encourage you to not just listen to people's stories. Um, and of course, speaking to anyone listening, not to just listen to any advice given, but to actually take real action on the fact that even though you're going to come across travelers all the time, you're going to come across travelers that are journeying around mm-hmm. in the world, whether it's on podcasts or friends you meet or people you meet around the world, you meet many travelers, but essentially their, their stories are all their own versions of their experience, what it's like, but you're never going to know truly what it's like at the top unless you go there yourself. So please, with all my heart, please um, take those um, tools and be practical. Yeah, so good. Um, if you were to kind of um, place yourself like where you're at in this journey, if you were the monk climbing the mountain, where would you say you're at? First of all, I wouldn't want to shave my hair, so <laughs> I want my man bun. Um, but where I would say I'm at is uh-huh. I would say I've had moments where I feel that I'm just on the peak and things mm. feel so clear and so free. Mm. So I have that feeling, but it's not something that I sustain. It's like, Oh, you know, climb up the peak and then I'll come back yeah. down and I won't be able to see much. And then I'll go back at the peak and then I'll climb down. So essentially the reason being is because I want the experience because mm. if I just stayed up on the peak the whole time, um, I mean, if you've ever climbed a mountain in your life, right, I'm sure you have, um, but at, at, the, at the top of any like hill or mountain, it's beautiful and it's mm-hmm. freeing and it feels amazing and fantastic. But just staying in that one spot all day and all night, so there's not much, um, there's not much uh, shifts. There's not much experience. There's not mm-hmm. much change. There's not much um, overall fullness of life mm-hmm. just in one spot. I want to explore. I want to journey. I want to go up different mountains. Yeah. I want to climb different challenges, you know? So essentially um, what I want to do is not just stay at the top of the mountain. I want to journey to others and face new problems, face new challenges, mm-hmm. yeah, face new experiences because that gives me an opportunity to see new peaks, new views, right? New sense, new places of freedom. And um, yeah, I mean, we can only expand right further and further the more mountains we climb. Yeah, yeah that's so good. So just conquering one mountain at a time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I love the phrase and I, it really resonated yeah. with me when I heard the man that chases two rabbits catches none. Mm. Um, essentially, if I'm always chasing too many problems, trying yeah. to solve too many issues, I'm never going to get there because I'm constantly focusing on one mm. while the other, other regresses. Then I constantly focus on the other while, the, while that one regresses. I'm just going back and forth and not making any real progress, which is mm. why the yo-yo happens, right? I feel good, I feel bad, I feel good. Um, But if I actually give myself the opportunity to just focus on one mountain at a time and be like, okay, I'm going to conquer this one. Let's keep climbing, keep climbing, keep climbing. Rather than just going quarter way up the mountain and be like, you know what, I want to climb that mountain. So I go back down that mountain, go to the next one, go up one quarter of the way of that Mm -hmm. mountain. Oh, Actually, I want to climb that other one. (laughs) That's essentially what it's like. But if I actually take some time and be like, no, I'm going in this direction. Mm -hmm. And even though... My, essentially I have the belief because I have the clarity so I understand which direction I need to go but my reason is also so strong that even though I get tired one quarter away up that mountain I know I'm going to still go I know mm. I'm going to still keep pushing um, and essentially that's what it's like when it comes to the challenges you know, 
face with them, right? It does get tiring. It does get scary. It does get frightening. It does get to this point where I just want to give up. But at the end of the day, if my reason is strong enough, I know that that reason is going to be nowhere near um, strong enough to actually over overpower that sense of reason or purpose, right? Mm. Um, yeah, so it's definitely developing reason and purpose and clarity and belief. And those yeah. are two, two, like two categories to really so good. Um, dive into. That is, no, that is so good. And I, I honestly, good. I love how you give such practical um, explanations in terms of what you can do and why you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And also what practically people can do when they're in that place of, you know, anxiety and depression. And totally. yeah, but like, you know, the thing is like our, you know, this podcast is for millennials, but you know, so many young people struggle with anxiety and depression. And like over the years, if you look at, um, you know, like in terms of overall life quality has gone up, but in terms of mel- mental health, that has also gone up. You know why? Like, why are so many young people struggling with anxiety and depression? Like, what? That's that's actually a huge question. I love it. Thank you for asking this. I actually love this question, but mm-hmm. it's also a question that I don't have the answer to. It's yeah, a question yeah. that I have an understanding for, but not an answer to. So, what I mean by that is, I have an understanding based off my experiences and yeah. based off the stories that I've heard from what what I'd say other travelers, right? So, other people. Um, so, I, I've heard the journey of what it's like for other people i've of course seen stats and mm-hmm. i've got my own experience but as a whole of course i'm not entirely sure so i'm going to give my experience instead mm-hmm. so when it comes to minimalism yeah i've been at my most peaceful and my most free when i really embody minimalism at its, at its greatest so what i mean by that is not necessarily being minimal in terms of i'm not allowed these clothes i'm not allowed this car or anything but minimal in terms of not needing that car, not needing those clothes. Because there's a big difference, right? If I attach my worthiness to maybe something I have or um, a certain financial goal that I might have set or a certain relationship that I might think I need, if I attach my worthiness to that, that I'm more worthy because I have a partner, I'm more worthy because I have this car, then essentially I'm also decreasing my own sense of value mm. when something happens mm. to that or when someone actually challenges me on that. Because if someone says to me that, oh, just because you have that car doesn't make you that cool, right? I'm going to be triggered mm. <laughs> if that's important. But mm. if it's not important to me, if I don't hold it as I need this car to be um, self-secure within myself mm. or um, self-compassionate towards myself, then ultimately i'm putting myself in a position that even if this person challenges me that that car doesn't make you cool it won't affect me because i've already confirmed that within myself that i don't need that car mm. like, that's fine i don't need that car but i want it i don't need it this is a big difference so essentially with when it comes to materialism and everything that's going on and in terms of like the comforts and conveniences that's in the world the world's never seen anything like what we've got um, in terms of now, and the world's never been this comfortable and convenient. Like if this pandemic happened when the Spanish flu happened, right? Mm. Or SARS or anything, you know, of course it would have been much worse off. Even SARS, that was even too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, Spanish flu, you know, hundred odd years ago, how many more people um, ended up dead and how many mm. more people ended up um, not knowing anything about this at all. Um, but thanks to the comforts and conveniences we have and the social media, it's, it's a lot safer than what it would have been with everything going on with the virus, but um, ultimately it's those comforts and conveniences that do two things. One is I surrender my ability to stay self-secure within myself because I'm like, oh, I can use my phone. I can use this person through social media. 
I can use my anime because I love my anime. I can mm, use. I know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I can use my crystals, right, or whatever, right. Mm. So ultimately, I'm taking away my that sense of self security because I'm utilizing the comforts and conveniences around me to keep me self secure. So if I'm able to take away that sense of need, then I'll become free of that. That's one way. The second way is that if I, um, if I become really, the second way that I was going to admit, um, the second way is that if I step, if I step into a place where I'm constantly needing certain things, Right. If I constantly need certain income, if I constantly need um, to be acknowledged by certain people, then usually what's going to happen is I'm going to be in a race. I'm going to be in a race to get somewhere really quickly because mm-hmm. I want that happiness. I want that peace. So now when I'm on a race, I don't have time for myself. I don't have time to be with my thoughts. I don't have time to be sad. I don't have time to be anxious. So what's happening now is I'm constantly running away from every issue that I might be, be facing and in essence, it's basically putting a carrot on a stick, right? And then me constantly mm-hmm. chasing the carrot and not being able to reach it. And um, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's constantly what it felt like um, for a long time for me. Because with the comforts and convenience that are available mm-hmm. in, today, in society today, it gives me more opportunity to get away from myself. Yeah, yeah. And that's, all, that's all, of course, not where um, happiness is. I know mean, you know the truth well, right? Um, happiness needs to be cultivated within myself. Mm-hmm. Then anything experienced outside of myself would be beautiful. But if I focus on things outside of myself leading to a beautiful experience within me, then everything that I experience won't be beautiful because I want to make this more profound within myself first. Mm. If I can find a sense of beauty here within me, then everything around me seems fantastic. But if at the end of the day, yeah, I miss that step and then everything else around me will no longer be as fantastic. It's only limited to Mm. the ability of me feeling a certain way about me. Mm. Um, so essentially if I learn to use those practical tools and of course there's many more that people can discover, um, that mm. they can just dive into, utilize, just be very simple, like two or three tools that they use every day, um, and expand on that sense of internal happiness within themselves of not needing practical things, mm. not needing another person, wanting another person, but not yeah. needing, like, yeah, I yeah. don't need this person to be happy. No, I, I can be happy on my own because then what happens is I come from a place of not a half filled cup and trying mm. to steal water from the other person. But mm. I come from an overflowing cup. Where mm. I can just fl- I can flow my, um, my joy and my love into this other human or into this thing that I'm doing or um, into uh, this activity that I'm doing or this passion that I have, right, mm. or this um, purpose that I might be um, serving. Then I'm going to always come from a place where I'm never going to run on empty. And if mm. I come from a place where I'm never going to run on empty, I'm no longer going to be a place in a place where I'm attaching myself to certain things wow. because I need to fill my own cup yeah, in order yeah. to serve this person. Mm. So I'm taking from here <laughs> so I can put something in here and I'm mm. never going to be full. But if I'm in a place where I'm actually, I feel that myself without anything, I no longer need to attach to myself to certain things. And then I can be free of um, certain materialistic things. Mm. I can be free of needing certain person's validation. And I can always give. Mm. but I, I want to come from that place of abundance within myself first wow. so that I can do that yeah wow so good so good I think you know right now like we have so many things that everyone you know it's so easy to become materialistic and to you know put your worth and your value your self-worth 
you could it's it could be so easy to attach yourself more to external things but more so than easy, external yeah. things really focusing on internal success and you know there's this quote um i don't know who said it but someone said something like your external success is a reflection of your internal success and i think yeah. that's so true and i think so and i so think true. we have we ha we're like you know in a way they call us the anxiety generation you know uh, younger millennials and like gen z they call them the anxiety generation because so many young kids are struggling with anxiety and i feel like it's because we have we can see there's so many things but also we could also see like how everyone's living their life like on youtube there's these people like oh i'm 25 and this is my mansion and you know like yeah, like so like true. oh i'm earning like million uh, my first million dollars in my business and it's like we see so many different things that we are constantly comparing ourselves and looking at what we don't have when you know when in reality like so true. if you really focus on loving yourself unconditionally it's like you have so much in you already like you're you exist so on this earth to be loved you know and i think when you understand that it's like you're able to overflow from that love and it's you you're not lacking totally, totally. i'd actually love to share another little tool actually that people uh -huh. could use yes i love it oh my oh, god anxiety coach kiza i love this stuff so um it's, it might sound originally a little bit mm -hmm. dark but listen through and it can be a very profound and beautiful thing mm -hmm. so essentially um every day and this is without the virus going on right mm -hmm. every day already there's more than 165,000 people every day that won't wake up the next day more than 165,000 people around the entire world that won't work out right, that passed. Yet, if you open your eyes, if you open your eyes, you're alive. You're not one of those people. You're one of those people that have actually stepped through into the new day, into, um, into new life. Yeah. Maybe manage a smile, celebrate, even if it's just a simple smile, but manage a smile just for that. Like, oh, I'm alive. Beautiful. Yeah, 165,000 people didn't actually make it through, but I did. Like, good job. <laughs> you know, like, that's profound. And the next thing is, because there's that many people that pass, there's also around about four to five million people that every day lose someone close to them. Every day, four to five million people in this entire world lose someone close to them. And that's, that's basically equivalent to the people in New Zealand. There's five million people in New Zealand, yeah. That many people lose someone close to them um, every day. Now, if, I, if you check and the five people that are closest to you are here, are alive, right, are with you in some shape or form right in terms of like them being alive celebrate that as well manage another smile a second smile just for that because i think that's just such a beautiful thing to acknowledge that wow there's still so much life here like there really is um and the more that someone is to actually celebrate the feeling of life in terms of like how life is such a gift but learning to celebrate that is definitely a skill it's not something that um many people you know automatically just do but some people do and that's profound and um i think that's just such a beautiful gift that i know like for yourself you're so passionate about life and you just ooze it everywhere you go which is fantastic and that's just such a beautiful gift that you have shares and you really bring that light into other people so yeah if one is wanting to actually step into that light step into that sense of um just oozing life everywhere they go then learn to celebrate it and one can learn to celebrate it through 
um, practicing in the first thing in the morning, just celebrating their own life, celebrating the life of other people that they're close to. Them. It's very practical. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So, so good. So good. This was so yeah. powerful. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, I'm so happy that we get to do this and oh, so too. grateful for you and just so grateful that like we met and just, you know, all the things that we've experienced and all the, even all the conversations that we've had in the past, like watching the sunset in Bali. Oh, I'm yes. so like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, honestly, I'm so, so grateful for you. Um, and you. there's a final question that I ask all my guests mm. on my podcast. Yes. It's, um, if you were to write a letter to our generation, a letter that begins with these two words, dear millennials, what would you write? Awesome question. <laughs> mm, dear millennials. Dear millennials, you are your greatest gift. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the life that you have is your greatest gift. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I'd say. How, how will people take that? I want them to come to their own conclusions because there's many ways that they, they, they can come to be. But yeah, take that how you will. And um, yeah, just leave with that. Like that. Yeah, no, that, that's so powerful. And for people yeah. who are listening, how can they connect with you? And how can, you know, if someone is, who is listening, struggling with anxiety, how can they contact you? How can they, um, you know, work with you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram, Coach Keza. Keza, um, I know it sounds weird with my accent, but K-E-Z-Z-A, just Coach Keza. Um, um, Z-Z-A, American pronunciation. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> For those who are the dudes. Yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. Z-Z. Um, and you can also find um, my website is um, healingwithkez, healingwithkez.com. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find a lot of information and tools and tips on there as well. Um, um, like meditations, if you want to learn as well on there. And also, finally, um, I do have my own podcast as well. And I would absolutely freaking love to um, have good old Smiley Shaz um, on there at some point. Um, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> it's, it's Pocket Coach. So just Pocket Coach. And um, yeah, you can find other interviews on there as well. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, thank you so much. No, this is, this is really wonderful. And like for those who are listening, like definitely recommend following and Karen um, on his Instagram coach Kiza. Um, Honestly, I think you put out so much great content and also you're so vulnerable, which I think it's, it's so powerful. And especially, you know, if I were to talk on behalf of, you know, the Koreans listening, like in terms of Korean culture and just Asian culture in general, there's, such shame in terms of being vulnerable like people yeah people want to look perfect and it's yeah like so i feel like a lot of people they just suffer alone and there's all these common things that everyone kind of suffers through but no one addresses it but i Mm. think it's so powerful like your vulnerability is it shows how powerful and how strong you are as a person and i just want to say you know like everything that you put out like you are known by other people, but not just known, but you're, you're heard, your voice is heard, and you're loved. And so I hope you know that, like, people who come across you, like, we see you, we hear you, and we love you. Thank you, Shaz. Yeah. So I thank really you. really appreciate that. So thank, thank you, you for doing what you're doing. You are letting your light shine, and it's, like, it's amazing. And I ah, freaking love you. Appreciate you. Love you too, Shaz. Thank you. Yeah, just so much love. Oh, this is so, so good. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on social media, share it with friends, and just let more people know about it. I would really appreciate it so that this podcast can be heard by more people. And also just so that we can share these insightful, powerful conversations with other people so that they can also learn something new and gain new insights. So thank you so much for being here. Um, if you haven't already, connect with me on social media at Sharon Kilon Han. I always love connecting with my listeners and just hearing from you guys what you guys thought about this episode. Thank you so much and see you guys in the Friday episode.